This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. Hey, welcome to the Nutrition Heretic. I'm Jim Ducharme, your co-host along with Adrian Hugh. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Jim. How are you today? I'm good. I, I can. If you want me to make you feel better, we've had a whole bunch of snow here in Toronto. I know that you don't. Do you ever get snow in Hawaii? Or is that the we, dumbest we question? Do. No, it's not. Uh, we Not only do we get snow, but last year we had snow in June. Snow in June. Yes. Uh, that said, it's nowhere near where people live. <laughs> it's, it's up on the it's up on the mountain, uh, the inactive uh, volcano. Uh, that's right across from where I live. I can see the snow up there. As a matter of fact, actually, I can't see it today because it's a little cloudy, a little misty up there. Uh, but uh, when the mist clears, you can see snow up there. And some people, they say people go skiing. People get stuck up there. Trucks get stuck up there. Uh, you know, if it snowed in June in Canada, our suicide rate would go up by 20%. <laughs> that's like the one month of the year where you expect it not to be yeah. snowing. Yeah, it's like if there's one thing the Canadians love to complain about, it's about summers that never were. And they, right. <laughs> you know, they it's it's so funny because I've got a, a neighbor here who has a house guest. He's from Brazil. He's never seen snow. And, oh really? Oh yeah. And and he's just been out there every day. I I mean, he's been out there shoveling everybody's driveway he can get at, and it's just comical. That's so funny. Yeah, when uh, when I was a kid, two Jamaican kids moved two to two or three doors down, and when they first saw, saw snow, they flipped out. They totally wigged out because they just it was beyond belief for them. So, you know, Adrian, we kind of touched on something uh, when when you and I were chatting off air uh, last week, and you know, and I thought it was something that we should sort of make the pardon the pun, the meat of today's show, which which was my comment to you about, I was talking about, because I've tried some meat alternatives uh, that I was really impressed with, and I was talking about how that was something that I was, you know, really considering, and, and, and you got a little, um, you know, a little... Annoyed. Hot under the collar? Yeah, a little, <laughs> I don't want to say preachy, I'd rather say annoyed, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that uh, kind of does it. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering what, like... We're constantly being hammered with this with this notion that red meat is a problem. That red meat, you know, I, I'll never forget. Even in what was it, Hollywood Cop, Beverly Hills Cop? Oh yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And there was that, you know, his who was it, Judd Judd Nelson or Judd? Uh, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, and he was talking about the ten pounds of undigested red meat. Right, right, right. <laughs> totally. you, only you would remember that line. <laughs> I, you know, I can't get that one out. Of, I, I think that that took me a week or two to shake off that image because I was thinking, oh, man. <laughs> and I started eating pumpkin seeds and all sorts of stuff to try and clean that out. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> just totally grossed me out. So, Well, you, pumpkin seeds aren't bad. Uh, now, what, what did you find appealing about fake meat? I you know what I found appealing was not having the you know the 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 lack of cholesterol the lack of um you know the 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 reduction in fat um calories 
But uh, I mean, but, but when you said you were impressed by it, what was the impressive part? What was that your taste buds? Oh yeah, it tasted pretty darn good. What we what we got was we went to this nutrition show and they had these. It was almost like in its dry form, it looked like oatmeal cookie mix. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds delicious. <laughs> and you, mm. you, you add water to it, and and maybe a little egg if you're going to do a you know barbecue, and it would just make the 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 best tasting hamburgers, or I I suppose the best tasting hamburgers that aren't really hamburgers. Um, and I loved it. It was it was. It was you know, and I used to when I was in college, I used to eat tofu, and I, and I I really like tofu, but mm-hmm. I can't say that it was something that I ate because I wanted to eat it. I ate it because right. I had to eat it. Right. You know, it was that and noodles and um, and a whole bunch of you know uh, Kool Aid and cheese whiz. That yeah. Got me college. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's good values. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so where do, I don't even know where to where to crack okay. this one open. Well, okay, the question is what you know. What is there a difference? I guess between should people stick to the, to, to white meats like turkey and of course the other white meat pork um, or the other other white meat which is canned unicorn, but you just can't get that mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, it's really tough. Uh, I yeah. haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, there was a there actually uh, thinkgeek.com came out with canned unicorn as a mm-hmm. novelty and they called it the other white meat and they got they got a letter of uh, cease and desist from the <laughs> pork producers. <laughs> They posted it on their website. It was awesome. Oh, that's a, yeah, and they okay. tried, <laughs> tried to explain to them that, you know, guys, there's no such thing as, you know, unicorn meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, I saw something similar. I'm trying to remember what it is, but we'll talk about that another day. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, okay, so, uh, you know, like I said, there's there's so many places I can go with this because there is the ecological concern. Uh, for example, many people believe that cattle raising cattle inherently is worse for the environment than raising anything else. And I cannot, for the life of me, see how raising an animal the proper way – I'm not even looking at conventional farming right now – but the traditional way, the way that our ancestors would have raised cattle on grass, eating – Basically, whatever is growing, the trees and bushes and the grasses and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I cannot see how raising an animal in that environment, which more and more cattle producers are doing, is any worse on the environment than having some dudes in lab coats create fake meat from whatever grains and plants that needed massive amounts of land to be cleared to grow on you know the the electrical cost of running the lab alone doesn't seem like it would uh uh be less burdensome on the environment and i'm just looking at the environment right now Mm -hmm. than raising an animal on grass and letting it contribute to the cycle of life and to the cycle of regrowth and putting the the urine and the feces and whatever else they need to put back into the earth so that more stuff grows so even with the um with the clearing you know that that ranchers do 
I mean, we know that there's a problem in South America with ranchers clearing vast swaths of, of territory. Right. So that they can, you know, uh, raise cattle. Um, does that balance it out? Or is it, I mean, what, I, let me put it to you this way. There's, there's two things here. What's the best plan for someone in a nutritional sense as a general rule? Mm-hmm. And what's and and can that match up with someone if they're interested in being ecologically positive? Yes, and that's that's where I was going next, which is that the whole clearing of land and all of that that doesn't appear. I'm not a farmer, but I deal with a lot of farmers. I talk to a lot of farmers. I've seen a lot of farmers in uh, giving speeches and things. And the ones who are doing it, let's just call it the right way, they're not necessarily clearing all of this land. These are we're talking about smaller scale people, and there's a really good documentary called Rebecca's Wild Farm. Uh, it was done from a uh, woman in the UK who was taking over her family farm and wanted to farm for the future. And one of the things she learns is that cows don't need a lot of open space. They actually like to eat the brush. And they need those branches and things like that. So the stuff that's being cleared for the cows is not necessarily what the cows really want to eat. Okay, so that's that's the that's that side. Now you're ta- you talked about things like cholesterol, heart disease, all you know, cancers, everything else that gets blamed that red meat gets blamed for. Red meat is. Um, is uh, has when it's grown on when it's raised on pasture actually provides the body with the perfect ratio of omega three to omega six oils and I'm sure you've heard of the benefits of omega threes well you get the perfect balance with with uh, grass fed red meats particularly you know your your lamb and your beef and when you switch that now to a non a, a, a vegetable I can't even call it protein because it's not, but a vegetable alternative, uh, we're looking at something that's more likely to become similar to what we see when people eat vegetable oils, which is a 20 to 1 or a 50 to 1 ratio, as opposed to a 2 to 1 ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. So we're really kind of digging ourselves into a deeper hole is the way I look at it, because I like to look at tradition. I like to look at what worked for previous generations, because there's a huge myth that people today are not are outliving our ancestors, and it's quite the reverse, actually. People today are living a bit about five years shorter than our ancestors did. The difference being that Today, we lose fewer children and fewer mothers in childbirth than we did 100 years ago. Because when they look at longevity rates, what they're looking at is over uh, an entire population, they're dividing, they're adding everybody's ages up and they're dividing it by the number of people in the population. Before running water was common in people's homes, babies were dying and you know women were dying in childbirth and people were dying more from infestation issues so you look at uh i always think of uh those images of that turn of the century london where people are like throwing the feces out the window and you know (laughs) god knows if you're below your cholera and all this stuff running through the sewers uh and you know we have a very different situation now where running water is concerned and that's why we're losing fewer people earlier in life but does that mean that they're getting to be 80, 90, 100? I used to live right 
down the street from Washington's Crossing, where George Washington crossed the Delaware. In the cemetery from that era that's still preserved, there is no shortage of headstones that, that identify people as living to be 90 and above. And we have to also consider that a lot of people back in the day were dying from things like fire. You know, women were wearing these huge hoop skirts and they're, or just long skirts, if, if nothing else, and they were cooking over open fire. So we were losing people for a lot of other reasons, not for cancer and heart disease and, you know, you name any, any permutation of, of disease that clips people off early today. So in any age. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and there's very little, other than the occasional PBS special, most people don't hear about the the dramatic changes. And I can't remember the man's name now, but the man who, you know, who led the public health uh, cleanup in New York City, in the slums of New York City, right. and and uh, eradicated such things as you know as open sewers and 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 that kind of thing. How much of a difference that made for for you know for survivability, if 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 nothing else. Uh, my father was a meat and potatoes guy. Uh, he certainly did eat vegetables. He even went through a spurt where he went vegetarian in his seventies. He lived to be eighty-two. Okay. Um, now he had you know diabetes and 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 some other issues which were due to weight gain. But um, even you know he lived a pretty full active life and had all his uh, faculties, um, except for his idea of when to call his son. Um, that apparently goes when you're sixty-five or so, and then you call your kids at all sorts of crazy hours and stuff <laughs> with really crazy stuff to say <laughs> it's just what happens so if you're talking to someone right now who's asking that question because we're you know we're about 31 minutes now or so into the show if you're talking to someone like myself who's looking to you know to be a bit more aware because you know i think that it takes a lot for people to i think most of us just want to make a couple of easy changes right and and um you know and and make that adjustment and see if it you know if it if it has any effect uh i think that it takes a lot of willpower to make those big changes certainly you know people who go vegan or cut out one i i can't imagine cutting bread out of my diet i love i love bread in all its forms i don't care if it's flatbread Whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. If it's bread, I love it. Uh, I don't think I've ever met a bread I don't like. I even like <laughs> I even, I even like rye cornbread. If you've ever heard mm. of it. Yeah. no, I, I haven't. Oh yeah, there's a it's there's, a new one. Is that a specialty at the Tim Hortons? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> they they can't even make a decent shibata bun. Um, no, they um, there's a Portuguese bakery not far from here that does uh, this corn rye cornbread. And okay. it's, it's absolutely awesome, but it's like eating, you know, it's, it's as far as consistency goes, it's like eating little pebbles. Like the stuff is just like you, you eat a couple of slices of this thing and you're, you know, you're, you've, you've gained mass, <laughs> maybe not calories, but it weighs you down. So what's, okay. what's your advice for a couple of simple fixes before we wrap up here, a couple of okay. simple fixes that people can do. All right. Well, this everything that that we've really talked about today ties so much back to the book that I wrote called Frenching Your Food. And this book is not at, when I wrote it I didn't write it so much as a weight loss book, but it was to expose the undiscussed parts of the French diet that 
have been discussed basically in every other book about the French. Uh, I, since I was a child, I have somehow, as a matter of fact, I'm being texted right now by a friend of mine who's French. <laughs> and, but like, since I, since I was a child, my first teacher was French. And I've just always been around French people. So I, over the years, I've kind of embedded some of the wisdom that they've bestowed upon me. And what is good about that is that I did it aside from my experience as a nutritionist. I just, I just kind of retained this information, and now I see how, how much it um, fits with the science that we know about food. So the first thing that I would say is just don't get duped. And when I was working for the French newspaper France Amérique in New York, we were everybody was always dieting because my friends who were all they were all French women that worked with me and they were always dieting because they came to the US and they started gaining weight and they're like you know we always have to be on a diet and not that French women don't diet in France they definitely do but it seemed like it was a little bit more of an obsession there than it was uh than it would have been in actually in France. And anyway, so, you know, we were always talking about different ways to lose weight. So at the time, I'm basically college age. I'm thinking that beans are going to save the world. And I'm doing all this stuff with beans. And they're like, you know, you're just going to gain weight. And I'm like, but there's no fat in it. Because I was under this impression that fat and cholesterol were bad for you. And to answer your question earlier, uh, cholesterol is actually 100% needed by the body. It's needed by every cell in the body to function properly. Without it, our cells would be so rigid, they wouldn't be able to, the you know, pump or, or do anything properly. So when we look at uh, you know, things like dry skin, we're looking at a fat deficiency more often than not. When we're looking at things like dementia, we're looking at a, a fat and cholesterol deficiency because the brain is made up of 65 to 70% cholesterol. So, so I, can, I can keep putting mayo on my ice cream then? Ah, yes, of course. Actually, that was another thing that I learned from, from these French ladies. They, when I was like, oh, well, I'll just have a little mustard. They're like, it's going to make you gain weight. Use mayo. And I'm like, but mayo's fat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're going, no, mayonnaise is good for you. What I come to learn all these years later is that mustard is a, is a member of the goitrogen family. And goitrogens are, are foods that, that suppress our thyroid. And this is National Thyroid Month, by the way. Uh, and so when we, eat tons of mustard. I'm not saying cut mustard out completely, but when we eat tons of mustard and kale and all these things that are in the, that family, including pretty much anything that's related to cabbage is a goitrogen. So raw cabbage, uh, raw broccoli, raw cauliflower, all of these foods in that family, when you're just consuming massive amounts, they will start to block iodine uptake for your thyroid. And that will make your thyroid run low so that you're not, you're not producing the energy to keep your metabolism up. So that's what, and there is actually done right. There is a little, a tiny bit of me of uh, mustard in mayonnaise, uh, but overall it's a fat. Now, unfortunately here in North America, we use uh, industrial fats to make our mayonnaise. We use soybean oil, which is uh, actually, it's uh, what used to be, if I understood correctly, tank fuel in World War II. Uh, oh, and Henry Ford had 10,000 different uses for soybean. Oh, yes, including a suit and a car. <laughs> yeah, he tried to make a soybean car. You're right. 
<laughs> yeah, and he, he made a suit that they said when it got wet, and actually next week, I'm hoping next week we'll have Kayla Daniel, who wrote the whole soy story on the show. Awesome. Uh, because she goes into the fact that he wore this suit made of soy that not only was incredibly uncomfortable for him, but they, his, the people who were around him said that when he got wet, he smelled like a wet dog. Like if it rained outside, <laughs> it smelled like wet dog. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, listen, I happen to be a, a lover of mustard. Oil. Sorry, you're Canadian, so I just have to put in that canola oil is the other industrial oil we don't want. Really? In yes. See, I, have... I, know that's, I know that's that's like heartbreaking for Canadians all over. Well, it is. It is for those that grow it. I mean, I, I I'm a huge fan of mustard. I must have four or five different kinds of mustard in the fridge. Well, Are you I telling love me? I'm not saying don't eat mustard. Okay. I am, uh, see, this is this is the thing you got to know about me is that I am not a cult fad kind of person. In fact, I could tie this all back to slavery <laughs> if you want, because every time there is a you know the go-to food, the big thing, you know the the, the thing that you got to avoid, the, the and then the replacement you got to get for that. There's some kind of slave trade going on. In it may not be on our soil, but it's somewhere. So like all of these people who are like, oh well, you know, gluten is so bad. And da, da, da. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with gluten. But if you're replacing it now with all quinoa, quinoa is not these is not now produced by these little you know small families just hoeing away at the quinoa in the field. It's this is like a serious big business. The price of quinoa has come down so much. I cannot I cannot fathom that this is anything but an industrial uh, endeavor at this point. And we already know that things that we see these commercials for the avocado council and and you know limes or whatever that we're supposed to put more and more in our diet. Well, you know there are now it's it's no different than the diamond the blood diamond trade they actually call it the blood avocado all those Haas avocados that they're promoting on tv that rot before you get to eat them <laughs> they're hard 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 and then all and then the day that they ripen they're overripe uh those are going back to uh uh literally people holding a gun to some small avocado farmer's head in mexico and threatening to murder his family if he doesn't lower the price Yikes! Yeah, yeah. We, uh, so, I mean, I mean, I, I like I said, I can tie anything back to anything. <laughs> but, okay, so, so when all is said and done, though, what's when you you know when I've had my mayo and ice cream for the evening and everything else? What's what's more you know what's more important? If I go out there, if you know, if I jump on the exercise bicycle and do fifteen minutes, am I good, or is that also a bit of a misconception or even a myth? Yeah, we're we're not. Uh, there there are no quick fixes, and that's a, a really bad habit that we've gotten into, where we think, oh well, I can have this today because I'm just going to go exercise it out of me later, you know. And, and the we touched on this before, again, uh, that exercise is not a panacea for your little peccadillos in your diet it's not going to miraculously infuse your body with everything that it needs to function if you're eating crap you're just perhaps aggravating the cells to try and uptake this crap into them uh, i don't see exercise that way and in fact going again going back to the french model and really any if you visited any country in the world uh, outside of north america you'll see that people are actually spending a lot of their hours relaxing we have prized exercise over diet and over sleep. 
And this is a huge issue because our bodies need to regenerate. We, uh, Lynn, when we talked to Lynn uh, Johnston last week, she was talking about the fact that her body was, she, the fibromyalgia she was having probably had a lot to do with the fact that she was not getting enough sleep and she was not getting that really good, deep, regenerative, regenerative sleep. She wasn't going into. She wasn't sleeping long or deep enough for the repair cycle to start. Exactly, and that's what we, most of us. We are so enthralled with the benefits of exercise, we neglect the fact that our bodies need a minimum of seven hours of this good, deep, regenerative sleep. I, I you know, I think that so few of us get that. I, I mean, certainly, I've never been good at that. I, you know, I uh, now. I have a six-year-old daughter, <laughs> so she, you know, she gets her. The only time she wants to sleep in is when it's a school day. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, most most mornings, you know, it, it's a crapshoot as if I'm going to beat her to be awake by, before she comes down, or if I'm going to wake up with you know a finger poking my forehead. You know, right, Dad, Daddy, Daddy, can you get up, please? It's like you know, if you said please, come on. <laughs> oh. It's just, you know, I mean, it's like, what's the worst thing for a hangover? A six-year-old. Got to tell you. There you go. Um, so, so sleep over exercise is actually more important for, for maintenance of our bodies. I mean, exercise, yes. we, exercise doesn't replace sleep. But if we're, if we're going to the gym after, after work and spending two or three hours at the gym and then we're so racked up that we don't go to sleep until 1 a.m. or so and we get up at 7 – to go to work, we're actually doing more damage than good. Probably. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that sometimes in the short term yeah. will seem great. Oh, I have so much energy after I exercise. I can go until 1 a.m. Uh, but your adrenals, which is your powerhouse for storage of energy, those regenerate between 11 and 1 a.m. Think about that. So a lot of people, and, and this happened to me, as a matter of fact, when I talked about that accident earlier, one of the first things that happened was my sleep went off, and my body, I could not fall asleep before 1 o'clock. And I still find it difficult many nights to fall asleep before 1 o'clock. It's like I'm in this zone where if I don't get to bed before 10, I'm up until literally 1. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I've I've noticed that too. If 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 you know, and I I mean I used to work overnights when I did radio. I I did it overnights for about four years and it was horrible. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's I, rough. I never saw, you know, even um um you know, even when I was I it, you you don't notice it, but it, it does affect you. You don't have as many um um uh, you don't have as many hours, quality hours in the day to relax. Because you're forcing yourself to go to sleep, and you have much less daytime. Yes. Because I would find what would happen is some people are they can fall into it really easily. They come home, they they you know it's just like coming home after work on a regular shift, right? right? And they have several hours to do what they want. Other people like me had to go to sleep as soon as they got back from the shift, and then it would really the whole day sort of went in reverse. Like um, you know, I'd have six hours before I had to work, and then two hours after work right which has got to play havoc with everything um with your with your whole psyche so i i, I mean I, I see what you're saying it's a holistic approach you have to be aware of your own needs you you, you have to seek the advice of healthcare and, and and nutritional professionals to find out what you may be lacking and and and, and what you can compensate for both in diet and and supplements uh, 
and I, you know, and I wish that message would get out there more, uh, so that people would, you know, really, you know, hear it more, so that they could be more comfortable with themselves, because we're so ready to condemn our our own, you know, inaction uh, or actions uh, as as being our biggest health threat, and I don't think that's always, you know, really the case. I, well, I think. Right. Well, what, one of the things that, and again, we have touched, t- touched on this in other episodes, but, uh, and I, I apologize for cutting you off, but, uh, what happens is that we don't, we don't function on the faith that our bodies are telling us important messages. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of this, like you say, this condemning and it's wrong and we've got to do it this way and yada, yada, yada. You know, everything has got to fit into these nice little neat boxes, but there are no straight lines in nature. If your body says that you're tired, sleep. Now, if your body is saying that you need to sleep 20 hours a day, now you got a problem. But now, now, you know, you should be looking at what else is going on. Uh, You know, if you've got reflux all the time and it's really or some kind of nausea all the time, get it checked out. But if you get, you know, nausea when you smell certain things, it doesn't necessarily mean that that thing is bad for you. It just means there's there's some it's, it's your body is always telling you something. It's there's always feedback. It could be something going on inside of you but it could also be something outside of you that for whatever reason your body doesn't uh doesn't appreciate let's just say a, a very good point and and speaking of messages because we really have to wrap things up here yeah, you, sure. you wanted to mention something uh before we wrapped up today's show yes i am uh i am recruiting for a virtual assistant it could be somebody local, but if, if it has to be somebody based uh, somewhere else, preferably in North America, uh, may entertain someone in Europe. Uh, but I can't do I can't do the East <laughs> because uh, the time zone. I, I would be about sixteen hours behind anybody working for me in Asia. But uh, yes, I did want to put it out there that I am hiring. This is this job opening will be listed on our website and we will also list it on social media. So uh, if you're looking for work and you know how to work a computer, including things like WordPress, uh, calendar updating, email, uh, help desk maintenance, those types of things, I want to hear from you. And if you happen to be a qualified SR-71 Blackbird pilot, that works too. Uh, Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's Jim's opening. Too technical. <laughs> Probably should have just said helicopter pilot, maybe, and saved the gun with that. Um, anyway, speaking of the website, if you want to catch uh, the Nutrition Heretic, you can catch it at our website, the nutrition just nutritionheretic.com. Or, of course, you can catch it on iTunes. And, and getting the show on iTunes is simple. You just have to do a search. And you'll find us there. But we're also on the website, and we are also posting links to uh, books from our guests and, and different information, their websites, uh, on the uh, on the podcast section. So it's just nutritionheretic slash, nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. And if you have any questions or suggestions or you would like to be a guest on the show or would like to suggest somebody, drop by the webpage and uh, let us know what you think. Yes, and don't forget to subscribe when you're on iTunes. And don't forget to review the show. It's very important. So please please give us a nice review. All right, and if you if you got a pet peeve, let us know, and we'll do our best to correct it. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week. Catch us next week when our, hopefully, our guest will be again, Adrian. 
Kayla Daniel. She's uh she's a, a doctor of nutrition, I believe. She, she's uh and she has uh, written a book called the the whole soy story. The whole? Which is right. It's the whole soy story, and it's basically the dark side of America's favorite health food. Okay, great. And and by the way, Adrian has several books out, but one which we mentioned now called French in Your Food with some great info and great recipes in it, and you can get that from our website. On Amazon. And on Amazon. And on Amazon. So just do a search for Adrian Hugh. That's spelled A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-H-E-W, Adrian Hugh. And you'll find her books there, and uh, I'm sure that um, she gets a lot of great praise about these books, and and some of them have the most awesome titles I've ever heard in my life. So uh, you'll love the titles of some of Adrian's books. They They all have a sense of humor. Thanks for joining us this week. Catch us again next week. We post our podcast every week on iTunes Thursday. So check us out Thursday afternoons, and the podcast will be up on iTunes. And if you subscribe to us, you don't need to check anything out. We'll come to you. Have a good one.